Hello, and welcome to the Arizona Civics Podcast. In this podcast, we will share our journey of sustaining Arizona's interest in reforms to civics by collaborating with civic educators in our state and nationwide. This important work is being spearheaded by the Center for American Civics at Arizona State University. I'm Liz Evans, Civic Education Program Director at ASU, and your host for this podcast. I will interview teachers, content experts, and civic education leaders throughout our episodes, providing valuable insights and perspectives. We hope you enjoy joining us on this journey to make Arizona a national civics model. Welcome, everybody, back to the Rebuilding Arizona Civics podcast. I am really excited today to talk to one of our EAD task force members, Erica Kornberg. Um, she's an elementary teacher, and today we're really going to focus on taking what you already have and evolving it and kind of making it something that is more enriching to students. So, Erica, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am from Tucson, Arizona. I have been teaching, I want to say this is my 16th year. So I taught eight years um, in fifth grade. And one of my favorite things to do was social studies. And so I always try to find a way to incorporate social studies into everything we did. And then I moved districts and I moved grades. So now I'm teaching sixth grade social studies, ELA. Um, We're still in an elementary school setting, but we have three teachers and we have the kids uh, rotate between us. So we're all di- uh, where the whole district is different, differentiated um, for the sixth grade. And so we have a teacher who does science. We have a teacher who does math. And then I do world history, social studies. And so uh, it's one of my favorite topics. I always wanted to do social studies. When I went back to school, I was like, I'm going to be a social studies teacher. And everybody's like, we don't need social studies teachers. We need math teachers. We need science teachers. And so I got really fortunate when I moved to Flowing Wells that they were looking for a world history social studies teacher but um, who also teaches ELA. So um, it was just like the perfect kind of fit for me, especially with the older kids. I like teaching the older kids. I love that you do social studies and ELA because they're such complementary subjects. And again, it's a good way. I feel like elementary school teachers, you know, in the confines of their day are asked to do so much. And so there are just things that go by the wayside because it is what it is, but you're able to kind of take both of those subjects and marry them really nicely together. And I love that that's how elementary works in Flowing Wells. I think that's such a cool, cool way to do it. Um, So you had a lesson on the Code of Hammurabi. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the lesson before you interwove any of the EAD stuff in it? So the previous lesson was we read, I would say a page and a half out of the social studies book um, about who Hammurabi was and the code itself. And it talked about why he made the code and where he got the loss from, basically focusing on that aspect of the strong shall now oppress the weak. And part of that was an extension lesson that was part of the curriculum map that the district had made was to take certain codes, about two or three, maybe, I want to say about a few, and we had to compare them to school rules. And so you were supposed to have this big discussion. Uh, Let's break down each code because um, it's that reading aspect. It was really hard to understand what they're asking 
what they're saying, what the punishment was if you committed this crime. So we broke it down. And then for like 20 minutes at the end of the lesson, you would say, okay, what school rule does this remind you of? And how is it the same? And how is it different? And every time we did that, the kids would always go, it's different because the principal doesn't kill you at the end, you know? And so we're like, okay, that's great. Yeah, let's dig a little deeper. How is it different? Um, And so I had taken that lesson. And once we got the new curriculum, we, um, I kept it. I kept that lesson as part of that new curriculum because I thought it was important to dig into the Code of Hammurabi because so many of our laws, even today, are based on that concept of, you know, if you do this, then this is what happens. The strong should not oppress the weak. Um, and that whole philosophy that he had created. And so we took that. And from there, I found a way every year I did it, I found a way to tweak it just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more to really incorporate what was important to the students at the time or other standards in the Arizona, uh, for the Arizona state standards. And um, we found through their practice that they were always very curious about Code of Hammurabi. It was one of their favorites because you know, it, they all end in death or they all end in some kind of form of punishment that the kids are like, well, this is so cool. It's so harsh. We love it. And so we always found that where it's like, do we still do that today? And then this year, particularly, it was really interesting because of everything going on with current events that um, the kids are affected by and what they see between um, the war with Russia and Ukraine. Um, with everything that happened with COVID, uh, the all the different movements that have been going on, the kids have found um, have, have found that they don't really have a way to express themselves, and it really explore these kind of concepts. And so, when we were talking about the Code of Hammurabi this year, um, some of the discussions really were centered on that punishment aspect and how the punishments have gotten so much harsher. Um, especially with Black uh, Black Lives Matter and the videos that come out against the police force um, and what, the, you know, the, what they're recorded. The lesson, the way I tweaked it was the way that we were supposed to look at Arizona laws and how the Code of Hammurabi covers every aspect of life and how Arizona laws cover every aspect of life and how the punishments are not as harsh, but we have the whole, you're innocent before proving guilty. And so this year, which was kind of interesting, the students had actually asked, well, can they go before King Hammurabi and can they say, hey, I'm innocent and I will not accept this punishment. And I said, yeah, they probably could, but most likely he wasn't going to listen because it was all written out this way. And so in today's world, the discussion had turned into how every law that they know of, it's a law or every rule that they know of, it's a law everything that they're born and raised into, it's a law. So some of the things that they started with was, well, can you cross the street when you want? You don't have to use a crosswalk. Can we just cross the street? And I said, well, that's a very interesting point. Can you just cross the street? And somebody's like, no, it's called jaywalking. And I said, well, is jaywalking a law? And they're like, I think so. And so then the conversation started to turn into that. It turned into safety and then different things that their parents do or or have gone through different, um, like traffic tickets. My my mom got a traffic ticket. She had to go to traffic school. Well, was that a law? What part of the law is that? 
and then marriage and taxes, taxes, they found very, very interesting. And so it was interesting to watch how this lesson I had, I had used so much in my years at Flowing Wells that started as a 20 minute compare this to school rules and how the principal doesn't kill you if you break one of these rules to finding ways to incorporate their civics and their civic duty into this whole concept of these are these laws from 5,000 years ago. And now we're still following these same kind of laws in today's world. Yes, we all don't get executed for jaywalking across the street, but there are the same kind of punishments that go along with these same kind of laws that people do follow. And so one of my students, um, he's very bright and very inquisitive. Um, and he was like, well, what if I say I don't like this punishment? What if I say that this is not the punishment for me? And I go to court and I said, well, what would happen? And so the whole conversation again turned around to, well, you can appeal it. You don't have to, you know, you can sit there and say the judge was wrong and they can try to appeal that punishment. And I'm like, well, what happens when you run out of appeals? Don't you have a certain amount? And the next thing you know, they're on the computer, like typing and trying to figure it out. And um, at that point, I had started to step back and let them just kind of discuss. And it was a few who really led the whole conversation. A lot of the other ones were, they're quiet. They're the ones who wait for somebody else to raise their hand, but they were still engaged and they were still helping to research a lot of things. I had the constitution, the Arizona constitution up in Google Classroom. And they had that up, but they were, the conversation was more about what they had already known. And then they used the constitution to like um, affirm or confirm what they had decided. And so it was really interesting to watch how they took this lesson that I've done so much um, since working in sixth grade and how they turned it into something that meant something to them. Because as they were walking out the door, I still heard little peaks of conversation as they were still discussing going to their next class. And so it was one of those bright spots in my day that I was like, this was good. I didn't really even have to do much. They controlled the whole conversation. And so I found that just adding little things here and there through my curriculum engages them because they want to know more about it. Well, and I love that you talk about the relevance to them and, you know, making Hammurabi so relevant to sixth graders might sound kind of hard. You did it in a way that really made their inquiry blossom, right? You, instead of just here's Hammurabi's code, okay, now we're going to move on to the next thing. They really got to dig in it. And like you said, you get to the point where you can just, as the educator, step back And you're still facilitating the conversation and making sure, you know, like you said, you gave them an Arizona constitution. There is a, you know, credible source for them. How did the work with EAD kind of help you get to this place? So when I signed up for the task force, I wasn't 100% sure. I was like, you know, I'm going to try it. And I didn't think I would get picked for it. So it was because I teach sixth grade world history. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you can't add American constitution into world history. You can't really add civics. And when you look at the state standards, there's only three state standards for sixth grade for civics. And it's about their citizenship and it's about their participation. And it's about 
how people in ancient civilizations had civics. And so I focused on that, that one where I was like, all right, in this ancient civilization, how did they have their own rights? How did they have their own laws? How do they support their own government? And then I would always compare it to today. And so that's the way I saw it to be. And through this task force, I was at beginning, I was very skeptical. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to take anything from this. I'm about ready to email you and say, "Mm, I don't think this is for me. But the more I listened and the more I I read the roadmap, I actually read the whole roadmap. And I was like, I think I can do this. And if anything, if I can't use it in mine, I can definitely help my fifth grade teachers and my fourth grade teachers and all the way down to kindergarten where we don't have a steady social studies curriculum. I can help you guys create some lessons on civics. So that was my primary goal until I realized all these lessons that I have, I have some aspects of civics in there. And I didn't even realize it. Um, we always think of Greece and we always think of Rome because that's you know the beginnings of democracy. And so that was always like my go-to. This is where I'm going to add some civics. This is where I'm going to do that. But then Sandra Day O'Connor day always came around and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I supposed to do for this day? Because it's civics in the United States. And I don't teach the United States. I teach about ancient civilizations. And so this work really opened my eyes to, I don't have to compare everything to today, to 3000 years ago. I can actually take what they did 3000 years ago and see how our foundation for today was built on that and turn it into different aspects of the roadmap and different aspects of American democracy, American civics, and civics just universally. One of my favorites that I'm really excited to do is when we get to Persia and we get to talk about Cyrus the Great and how he created human rights. And so taking that concept of human rights, I don't have to compare it to today. I can say, let's look at the foundation of what he created and how over generation after generation after generation, civilization, 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 centuries, 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 look at where it is today. And let's look at the pros and let's look at these cons that we don't all have these human rights. And that was very eye-opening for me. Just little tweaks. One of the first things I did this year was we did cave art and how we talked about their cave art um, from, I'm going to say it wrong and I apologize, Chateau Huyuk was um, about their daily lives and how they would put up animals and hunting and different things. And the kids talked about what do you think they're trying to communicate? Because that's what they were doing was communicating. And so we, I turned that around to, it was a half day. And I turned that around to, here's a piece of construction paper. Here's some crayons. I want you to draw your daily life in cave art form. And then once they did that, they did that for like 30 minutes. And then I had them flip it around and said, okay, now on the back, I want you to think about what this means to somebody else who lives in a different country. What did you symbolize? What did you show about your daily life? What rights do you have as an American citizen that other countries wouldn't have? And it was something that I had, I just, I thought of on the fly. I thought of because the kids had finished super early. So I was like, oops, now I have 15 minutes. What am I supposed to do? And that civics part of it that just I spent six months doing is just naturally ingrained into like everything. And now I'm able to see it 
And that's what the cool part was. It was very eye-opening that everything we do, everything we talk about, there's an aspect to add that civics part of it. And the kids actually, they liked that one too. And they we have all of their cave art up on the wall. And if you flip it around, you can see how their daily lives would be different from somebody in um, South America or Europe or Africa or all these different places around the world and what they thought. And so that was a kind of a fun activity because it also built that foundation for other things when we start to go, because this is what you originally think. Now I can change that to what it actually is. And then you can compare that as well and build upon that. Civic belongs everywhere. And what that just showed me is that in world history, the place of civics in world history is learning about these cultures because it builds empathy. And one of the biggest things about being a citizen of your town or your state or your country or the world is empathy, right? Is having that understanding that we all come from different places. Um, and it really builds on, you know, one of my favorite words in the EAD is civic friendship, right? Is having the understanding that as citizens of the world, um, we're all different. And so just because you haven't had that same experience doesn't mean their experience is not relevant. So when you talk about this, I, I mean, I did, I had an aha, is putting civics into things like world history helps build empathy. So when you're talking about, you know, Sandra Day O'Connor Day and, and civic celebration, it sounds like to me, you're already doing that on a daily basis, which is so powerful for elementary students, especially because it builds this foundation for them before they get into middle school and high school where they're, you know, they're switching classes and they're learning all these subjects, you're ingraining in them that they are citizens of, again, their classroom, their school, their town, their state, their country, and the world. And that is, I like have goosebumps. I'm <laughs> that just, I love when you have, when you're listening to somebody and you have these revelations and it, this is, and I will say it until I'm blue in the face, civics belongs everywhere. And I'm so glad that you illustrated that it's not these big things, you know, these hours of planning. It is little shifts in thinking so that when you have an extra 15 minutes, you can do something. When you are doing a lesson, you know that small little turn to make it more student-centered, student engagement, and really kind of building that in. If there is a sixth grade teacher out there or really any any teacher who is not American history, government, you know, when we think of civics, those subjects, any other teacher that's like, I mean, this sounds great, but I don't really have the time to do it. What advice would you give them? I needed to know what civics was. So I think the first thing would be take a minute and really understand that it's not what you think it is. Um, it's not having to do these extravagant lessons. It's not having to teach the foundations because the foundations are kind of already there. When they start talking in kindergarten and first grade, they talk about their neighborhood and they talk about these things. And through families and through their experiences and through their neighborhoods and their culture and their community, there's all these different aspects. And so reading about civics itself, like I read the whole roadmap. I didn't have to, but I read the whole uh, roadmap and it is wordy. Um, so it just took a little bit, but 
I realized there were just words. I just started underlining words. And then it was those words that I think started to trigger different ideas. All teachers have it where we have 15 minutes and we're like, I can't move on to the next thing, or we have an assembly in five minutes, or I have to, you know, we're going to lunch or it's the end of the day. Pulling out a lesson or continuing that lesson and just asking questions, I think would be the first thing I would suggest is just asking questions and starting at blooms, you know, that basic level down at the bottom and then start building it up, but start looking at that apply. So maybe starting with if then situations, just like Amurabi, if this happened, then what do you think would could possibly happen from there? And why do you think so? And from there, asking those guiding questions, but kids, my students, everybody's students are naturally inquisitive. They definitely want to know more. And so having those questions and then building upon that would probably be my first step to, to incorporating civics. Um, but knowing what civics is, is definitely the first hardest thing I didn't realize. I did not realize that it's in everything. I did not realize that it was going to be so easy to just spend those five minutes and start asking extension questions on what we're talking about. So right now we just finished Bad Beginnings. Um, the series of unfortunate events, the very first novel, and we would have five extra minutes and we would ask, you know, they would have a situation where Klaus is in the library of Justice Strauss and he's looking up numptual law. And so that was one of the questions too, where we had five extra minutes and I'm like, well, what do you think is in that numptual law book? What do you think he's looking for? What do you think would happen if this happened or this happened or this happened? And then the kids started having those discussions and then they started asking, well, what if this happened? And what if this happened? I'm like, those are really good questions. Having a parking lot or a, a place where they can post those questions is always really good too, because then you're like, you know what? We did run out of time, but we can always continue this discussion later. And then right now we're reading Esperanza Rising. And so they're actually, which is really interesting. We're right at the beginning. They're finding those connections between Violet and Klaus and having to be abandoned by their family, same as Esperanza, who's having to leave her country behind to come to a new country. And they're looking at the comparisons. So they're starting to pull those questions. And they're like, well, what about this? And how does that apply over here? And so those kind of things, it's it's just naturally inquisitive of them to want to know the answers. And again, I love that you're like, you're reading, you know, a, a novel, but you're still tying there's those little pieces where you can capture them and get them in. And, you know, I've read the roadmap many times. and th But that's one of the reasons too, we made the podcast is to make it a little bit more digestible. Because I remember the first time I read it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of information. And I'm the kind of person that I need to take something really big like that and kind of chunk it out and then see like, okay, seven themes. Here's what I'm already doing. Here's what I could do a little bit better and not taking the whole thing at once because that is just, I think even for the most veteran season teacher, that is just not a feasible thing. Erica, I am so grateful that you took time to talk with us and to talk about how, you know, civics really blends into world history. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I had fun. I had fun creating these lessons. I had fun on the task force. 
And I'm looking forward to this year where I actually get to find different ways to incorporate civics into my curriculum. So I'm excited. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Just wanted to give a heads up that you can find the Center for American Civics on all social media channels as ASU Civics. We love connecting with our community and sharing our thoughts on the issues that matter to us. So if you're interested in our content or just want to say hi, don't hesitate to give us a follow. Plus, we always include any relevant links in our podcast show notes. So be sure to check those out too. Thanks for being a part of our journey.